0: We've got an episode for you that I think you're going to love, especially if you're looking to turn on your creativity big time. I've been uh, working for many, many years in helping people and myself draw forth their deepest creativity, and it's an exquisite thing to learn how to do. Also in this episode, one of the things you'll learn is some very practical things, like um, I share a, a process of what I do If I get stuck, how I deal with it using my own natural body resources. And it's all about really learning how to feel good all the time and learning how to use your body as a dashboard that tells you exactly what's going on in your life.
1: Oh, I love this. And uh, we also talked about, this is a big distinction that Gay has. It's your zone of genius versus your zone of excellence and how to push yourself in there. We've got a really practical tool. It's a mechanism that I only do with my $35,000, what I call superpower accelerator vision days on how I activate our energy and get in sync so we create together. And it's a never fail process. Also, one of the things that Gay talks about that really had a massive impact on me is this notion of your emotional dashboard thinking about how to read your body in ways you may have never done before. And it is a superpower visualization. It's something you're going to be able to start using today. And then we end the episode with some powerful questions that you can use that I think are going to elevate your relationships with people you care about and how you elevate anyone you come in contact with. All that and more, Gay. This is really, I, th- I think so far, it's our best episode to date.
0: I agree. I had a blast.
1: All right. Well, all that and more coming up in episode eight.
0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Big Leap Podcast. This is Gay Hendricks here with my good buddy, Mike Koenigs.
1: All right. And uh, we are going to be talking today about how to pull out your inner genius. This is episode eight. So I've got a whole system and a whole process I use um, both with clients when I do vision day or I work with them. And I'm super curious um, how you do the same thing, either when it's with yourself or you and Katie or the clients you work with. So how do you want to go about doing this?
0: Well, I really am glad we're talking about this because if there's one thing people really need to be doing right now, it's how to open up and let more of their true creativity Mm -hmm. emerge. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think there's a difference. I make a distinction between ordinary creativity where you're using your creative skills to do things for other people and true creativity where you're using your skills to do things for other people and that also benefit yourself Mm -hmm. so that the ones that are really useful to you are ones that don't diminish you in the act of producing them. You know, a lot of people get stuck in what I call in the big leap, the zone of excellence, where they're doing stuff they're good at, but they're not drawing on their genius. Mm -hmm. And so one thing that I've spent a good bit of my career doing is how do I actually create the space that invites forth genius? And I think visioning is good and that kind of thing, but we we I, I always start by getting underneath it. Like when I'm going to work with somebody, who maybe somebody's coming in for one of our 10K days, which could be a couple, or it could be the head of some organization, or it could be the somebody from the business world or a show business person. I spend a lot of my time beforehand creating a space inside myself for connecting with that person. So I know they're coming, they may be coming 2 weeks from now, but I start 2 weeks earlier actually kind of laying down the the space in myself to connect with that person. And the reason I do that is because I think that a lot of the ways you can connect with people are almost better to do when they're not right there. You know, you want to kind of go in by mm-hmm. knowing something about what their journey is and what and making a space for that in your own being and dedicating yourself to serving them. Yes. That's incredibly important. So laying the groundwork, I want to put in a big plug for mm-hmm. that in addition to all the practical things you might do with visioning.
1: Okay, good. Uh, and I will tell you that the I have a process and you just going through that and creating the context, I will give you a divider of when I'm serving someone else in real time or I'm preparing to serve someone because there is a a strong delineation on how i prepare my brain versus i prepare them and me in um in concert with one another because i think alignment is is hugely valuable here so <clears throat> if it's okay with you i'm going to describe what i call the superpower accelerator process and this is both a series of questions that i ask someone before we begin a day or two that we're working together and also the day of, because um, for me, the preparation has to do with getting inside their mind and their head and really understanding their values and their outcomes and being able to rest with that. And also answering that very important question, which is who do you want to be a hero to? Mm -hmm. That's a, it's a full credit where credit is due. That's a Dan Sullivan ism. But um, in another format, you'd say, who's your avatar? Who is it that you um, are creating content for? But being a hero to someone, I think, energetically is a a clear distinction. I know I've I've processed that in a different way. So here's the process that we do. One of them, again, is something I, I borrowed from a strategic coach, which is positive focus. Whenever you have dinner with Dan, for example, or the way I do meetings, is we start up and, and ask, tell me something that you're absolutely excited about right now that's happening in your life or has maybe happened in the past week. The whole idea is bringing in that positive focus. It changes and shifts the energy and we get alignment, which is super important. Um, and then <clears throat> I do a grounding exercise. So if I'm at the beach, for example, with a client we walk out and stand outside on um, the terrace. And I say, first of all, take a big deep breath in and smell that ocean air Mm -hmm. and that creativity. And then look at this infinite ocean and realize that it wants you to have anything you desire and everything you can imagine is inside it. Every substance there's, an infinite supply of possibility and potential, many lifetimes worth. And we live in this amazing ecosystem. And for all the crazy fear mongering that goes on inside the media, in the grand scheme of things, it's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Okay? <clears throat> so you gotta separate all this black that's out in the world that's created by but we don't even need to go down that path. It's staying in that positive space. And then imagine sending energy down to the core of the earth through your feet and root yourself to the center of the earth and feel that power and that heat and that energy there and allow that to go up to you and create a circulation system of power and energy and stability. And then I asked them to take a big deep breath, experience all this abundance and tell me what are the one or two emotions or feelings you want to feel right now by the end of the day and all the time. And I ask them to think about that for a little while and everyone comes up with one or two. And then we go inside and write those down and I plaster it on the wall right away. So I've got these big 3M sticky pads and that way you've got your feeling and your emotion. And whenever we do an exercise or an experience, I say, where are you? Let's rate how you feel right now on a scale one to 10. And I'm looking for 10s all day long. And make sure we stay there. And then, um, this is the getting to know you part. So it's again, who do you want to be a hero to? How do you want to um, show up? And again, that if you inhabit that body and that energetic state and remain in that, it puts you in a place of power because you're in a state of service, um, which I think is really, really important. It keeps you responsible, respectful, and aligned for again being on purpose and being purposeful um and then i imagine i have them answer another important question which is if you could describe and whatever the outcome of the day happens to be usually it's around branding but i want you to imagine yourself um having a platform, whether it's a book or a Ted talk or your signature speech or your product or how you want the world to see you describe that to me right now. And and I try to evoke as many emotions as I can. So you get anchored into actually experiencing that in a future paced fashion. And without exception, that gets the individual fully aligned in a space where we can co-create extremely rapidly And from there, it's just a matter of channeling that stuff, documenting it, and then being able to put it in an organizational flow, where at the end, it's sort of like, we just finished something that I've been trying to get done for three years or five years or 10 years or longer. And that sense of accomplishment, it's it's profound. And usually what I do at the end is some sort of an anchoring experience or exercise to make it come true. So what I started doing that's been profound is I bring them into this studio where we're in right now and I do uh, a future-paced interview based upon the new future we created together as an article. And usually there's an offer in it. And then that gets turned into an entrepreneur.com article. So you are living in this new space. And from that moment forward, they can go out and start having conversations with their clients or customers or whoever it is they want to have an audience with. And they're already inhabiting that space. And because we made it come true and it's public, um, they're, they're in that space when we're having the conversation. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, in a previous episode, we talked about the importance of theater and creativity. Um, when you act as if your brain can't tell how much time has passed, it is an illusion And when you're anchored in this energetic space, um, there is no distinction. You can become a brand new person in hours or days. And so that's the process. And I'm curious what your perspective is. Yeah,
0: I really love it. It reminded me of one thing that um, we always do as far as future goes. I ask people to go out into an imaginary future a year from now Mm -hmm. and look back at where they are now. And ask themselves, what will it take to get to this other place? And sometimes the act of simply shifting them out of the present and looking back at the at where they are now is enough to kind of pop loose mm-hmm. the creativity. Because I think our creativity is sitting there kind of waiting to be invited. Yeah. You know, it's, um, in fact, um, one of my... Mentor is Jack Downing, who was a psychiatrist that I did some training with when I was at Stanford. He said that <clears throat> the very best thing you could do for generating ideas in yourself is to find somewhat, something to do that's not what you normally do. And I asked him, what, what do you mean? And he said, well, for example, instead of trying to solve a problem sometime, go home and turn on loud music and just move with it. Don't try to think about it, but move with it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know at the time that there was a whole field called dance movement therapy. But I got so into that that I joined a group where we just basically did that. It was a group of professionals who did what was then called dance movement therapy, where instead of trying to solve problems with thought strategies, we would move with them. It was so incredibly powerful because sometimes with even 10 minutes of being outside your normal thinking mode, suddenly a whole bunch of ideas start coming through. To, To this day, by the way, if I get stuck on something, the first thing I do is turn on some music and usually lie down on the floor and just breathe for a little while. Because once I can get my breathing straightened out and get things moving again, flowing, then... I'm ready to face life again, but sometimes you get stuck and need to just kind of take a little time out to get the flow going again.
1: Yeah. That's, um, super powerful. I think what I've found in, and I told you this in a previous episode, I love to be kinesthetic. So I find that when I'm in performance mode in front of a muse, uh, and can stand and write sometimes i just change the way i'm pulling stuff out of me Mm -hmm. so if you look at the door for example um you see i've got one of these uh 3m you know they're the 20 by 25 inch um sticky they're like post-its but they're the giant ones i've got stand-up boards at the house and at the beach and i've got an eternal supply cases of markers (laughs) okay so i never run out and i've always got cases of pages because i found that if i have a problem i stand and i perform my way out of it because i know that if i were placed in a position and the theoretical statement which might, might not sound super attractive is if you had a gun pointed at your head you had 10 minutes to live and you had to solve a problem I guarantee you'd figured it out. (laughs) So I don't put myself in a panic state, but I do put myself in an empowering state with a deadline that's super short. And I've found if I can stand, and if I had to teach my way out of the circumstance, I could certainly stand, and I wouldn't want to disappoint the audience, and I also wouldn't want to be the fool. So something will come out of me that'll be useful, and to at least start that process, even if it's jibber jab. And um, I don't remember who it was years ago. Uh, It was a famous copywriter. And he said the way to start writing is to just go through the motions of writing and just um, start writing type, you know, drawing blah, 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 blah on a yellow pad. And as long as you get in that state of serving and having an intention, pretty soon your brain will get into that, that space. So that's the kinesthetic mechanism.
0: I really like that because if you think about it, Um, the part of the mind that involves logic and language is about the size of a 50-cent piece. And the rest of us is Mm. immense. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. So inside, from a big leap perspective or a conscious luck perspective, um, what are some of the resources and tools in there for pulling out your inner genius? What are some of the um, techniques that you've used with your highest level clients over the years to activate that center and get them in that right fit space. And can you think of any stories of some people that you've been able to motivate or shift their beingness? So they had a profound leap as a result.
0: Yes. Um, One example, I already touched on having people go into a room for 10 minutes and be by themselves basically We have a graded series of these 10-minute experiences that people go through. One of them is to go sit by yourself for 10 minutes and close your eyes and just do one thing for the whole 10 minutes. And that is about every 15 seconds, ask yourself a wonder question. And the one we start with is, hmm, what is my true genius? Hmm what is my true genius? And we ask them, we coach them very carefully on how to make that wonder hum because it has to be absolutely sincere. A real wonder question is something you really don't know the answer to, but you'd really like to know the answer to. And so we invite people to go in and just sit in these wonder questions for 10 minutes at a time. 10 minutes, by the way, is all it takes. It doesn't help if they sit there and do it for 45 minutes. Everybody has a breakthrough within 10 minutes. And then we have a set of other questions, like one might be, how much on a daily basis am I, how many hours every day do I spend on my creativity? And most people come out of that one very depressed because they realize they're spending almost no time on their creative, even though they may be one of the most creative people in mm-hmm. their field. Because like with, like with Vivian, you know, she set up this foundation out of a heart experience and then it got so complicated that it took more and more head to try to keep up with it and pretty soon you're not developing the side of it that speaks to your heart and that that's where a lot of people get burnt out
1: yeah yeah for sure well that's when the um the monster that you think is important and uh uh starts swallowing you or someone else's agenda does that. I know one thing that I really admire about you and I've observed many times is when you're done with something, you just get up and you're like, I'm, I'm over it. You know, you are very, very conscious of when your body and your mind are done. And I can tell that you manage based upon your feelings. And one of the first times I observed that I was like, well, that was kind of rude. He just got up and left. And, and it was just, uh, I thought, well, just, what's, what's going on with gay? And we had a conversation about it and I don't remember the, the order of events. And you just explained to me, one of your goals is to feel good all the time. And that is, why don't you talk a little bit about feeling good all the time and how that drives your decision-making, your creativity and staying inside your genius and, and allowing you to say No. Yeah,
0: really super important. And I want to make it clear that I wasn't always good at this. This is something I trained up really over the years. But um, I think that body awareness is your best friend because your body has been in business for millions of years. Your ego has been in business for A couple of hundred thousand years but your body has been making adaptations and doing things like learning how to do those 300 things that your liver needs every minute and learning how to make an autonomic nervous system different from a central nervous system and all of those genius things that the body has been doing Mm -hmm. but it's only been recently that we've uh, more recently developed language and developed this thing called the ego and strive for success and that kind of thing. So those are very new things. So the main thing I want people to do is learn how to use their body as an information source, which will tell them when it's saying yes, when it's saying no, when you ought to go ahead, when you ought to wait. It's there with the information all the time. But what happens is society bashes that out of us and instills an externally focused Mm -hmm. awareness on us that, you know, puts people out of touch with what's going on inside. So I've spent, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of dollars getting my body awareness. You know, I've been rolfed a hundred times over 30 years. I've done hundreds of hours of Feldenkrais training with body awareness and I meditate every day. So I'm kind of a a fanatic on the subject of creating more conversation with our natural energy system in there. Because it's a genius. It got us out of the water and we learned how to walk. And then it got us out onto planting things in the ground and watching them grow. You know, And so we've got to consider the genius of ourselves at every moment and use that as a barometer of whether we're doing the right mm-hmm. thing or not. And so John Belushi was also incredibly helpful in that. Uh, Not many people know this about John, but he also had a cosmic streak. He had some nasty drug problems that did him in at an early age, but he was a pretty cosmic dude. And one thing he said, which always stuck in my mind, uh, someone asked him once, what is is the great benefit really of being a success? Because John was another one of those guys that he didn't have 15 houses. He didn't care. You know, he didn't have 10 cars. And, but what his emphasis was, was on the creativity. And his phrase that stuck in my mind was, the only tangible benefit of fame is that you can get up and leave whenever you want. And so I stuck that in the back of my mind. You know, That's a very fascinating thing that after everything he's gone to, it's that act of being able to get up when he doesn't want to be someplace. And Now, you can do that from a place of ego. Maybe he did it from a place of ego, but I'm suggesting that people do it from a place of sensitivity so that they're sensitive to what their body needs and wants in any moment. And that, to me, is one of the the greatest conversations that I could have ever engaged in because it gives you a real-life connection with the universe at every moment. Mm -hmm.
1: And, And if you look back for a moment at all of the systems that you've modeled, experienced, what do you think um, got you the furthest, fastest? So if you think about Rolfing, Feldenkrais, and for anyone who's not familiar with that process, it is a very, very subtle, nuanced um, series of exercises. It's not massage. It's not network chiropractic. It's not chiropractic. But it's this very light touch, subtle movement that activates your nervous system, and also releases trauma and stress. It's profound. I've done it a few times, probably four times, and I was really, really moved by it. You know, you, uh, um, so that was, that was very interesting. And I've done, you know, everything from, uh, uh, let's see, like float tank therapy, lots and lots of energetic chiro. One of my good friends, John Amaral is, uh, he was just featured by, um, on the Goop special. He's this energetic network chiropractic guy who's, mm-hmm. he travels with Tony Robbins, for example. He's very sensitive and does very subtle energetic work. But um all of these have been useful, but I haven't used them in the same way you have, where I've kind of compiled a dictionary or an encyclopedia of activators. Mm -hmm. So what, first of all, do you think would be most powerful? And then how have you managed to sort and organize that in a way that you can activate it whenever you want to or need to? I think that beyond any technique, like I've really loved the
0: Feldenkrais work and I, I hated some of being roffed because it was painful, but I liked the result uh of it. It helped clear a lot of old trauma out of my body. But I think more than any other technique, it's a willingness to explore and experiment. I've learned more just lying on the floor, breathing and wondering than I did in any kind of session I ever did with anyone. Mm. Um, Because I think that what people need is that direct communication with the creative force in the universe, if Rolfing can help clear the space for that, great. It did for me. Um, I've done everything. I've done I don't know how many different forms of massage and meditations and all that kind of thing. It ultimately down um, finding a tool that opens up more of a connection with the universe itself. And as we in, enter the universe of our bodies, that has an incredible amount of information that we're not using. At a, it'll tell you whether you really ought to say yes or no. I look back at relationships I've been in that were painful. In every situation, I always got a body cue beforehand that I was on the wrong path, but mm-hmm. I overrode that. Yeah, you know, I said, oh, you know, well... Maybe I'm having this negative reaction now, but maybe if I married her, everything would be different. <laughs> maybe I stay up all night crying and screaming and having arguments with her now, but maybe if we got married, that would make things better. That was a mistake I made when I was about 23, I think. That lasted a couple of years, and I didn't make that one again after <laughs> yeah, that.
1: Yeah, they call, they call that the starter marriage. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah.
0: And God bless her. Also, I want to give a shout out to um, Gwyneth Paltrow, who was kind enough to interview us on goop um, uh, our relationship work and uh, I'll always be grateful to that uh, to her and Oprah and other people like that who um, get the word out to large numbers of people and I know she takes a lot of heat Gwyneth does for stuff she does but I want to give her a solid
1: appreciation. Oh well, that's great well it turns out it was actually Gwyneth Peltrow who interviewed John Amaral when I was just talking about that and I forgot, um, I forgot Gwyneth's name while I was talking about it just a moment ago so it, it, that interview just hit netflix and he blew up overnight it was crazy and he's kind of been preparing for this moment for as long as i've known him which is the better share of probably 10 12 years but holy cow does she have a following and uh pretty impressive how long ago was it that she interviewed you guys
0: it was a few years ago okay gosh probably now five years ago something like that
1: yeah yeah no she's i
0: i saw the uh sales charts of conscious loving the next day and the big leap the next day. And uh, uh, they made an impact for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. So um, I'm going to ask you just to go a little bit deeper on activating the physical parts. Um, And when you, what do you listen in for or feel into, or what's the question that you often ask yourself? So you get, the right answer because sometimes just asking the right question is the most important part of this so you get an opportunity to listen
0: well something i use as a question when i hit some kind of problem or like if i get into a communication glitch with somebody i will ask myself hmm of all the possible things i could create in this relationship, why would I have created this particular type of trouble with this person? Mm. So I take it on as something I'm responsible for creating but not to blame for, I'm not blaming myself, but I'm just saying, hmm, hmm, it's a wonder question. How am I, why did I create this particular drama with this particular person? And that is really a powerful question. because when you're doing big things in the world, you're gonna run into conflicts with people and you're gonna get down alleys that don't have any cheese at the end of them and mm-hmm. you'll find yourself halfway down a cheeseless tra- <laughs> maze and have to back yourself out of it. But that's the nature of entrepreneuring yeah, you know? yeah. and, uh, It's how you deal with the unexpected mm-hmm. that makes your great leaps forward. It's when things come out of the blue at you and then you have to figure out some way to do that. Um, Well, for one thing, I think that let's give a shout out also to sheer terror, because sometimes you're in a terror, you know, just cannot think of what the heck to do. And the absence of any alternative, if you can just sit with that fear for a little while, it opens up a space for something to break through. The mistake that most people make is trying to control and manage their fear, then it turns into anxiety, some kind of a steady state buzz, an unpleasant steady state buzz. But what happens that the moment you get underneath that buzz and simply ask yourself, what am I afraid of? What is the core fear down here? That gets you a lot of mileage very fast because the fear has emerged as a response to something, some threat you feel, Mm -hmm. or like if you feel angry. It's almost entirely, um, as a body issue, has to do with the uh, shoulders and the back of your neck and um, up the spine, the same locations where a dog or a cat has its hackles that rise. Uh That's what tenses up when you're angry. And nine times out of ten, it's because you've seen something that seems or looks unfair to you where someone is using a power differential over someone else. And they may be using it on you. That's why you're you're angry about that. But the question to ask in that, again, is, hmm, of all the possible things I could be feeling right now, why would I be feeling that one? And so that's why you've got to get to know your body because if you know that your anger is about something that you perceive as unfair— and you know that your fear is about something you perceive as a threat and your sadness, you know, is a something you've lost. It's a loss you're experiencing. That gives you a tremendous amount of power to be resilient in situations that often knock people flat.
1: Right, right. Um, and that's, again, in all of these cases, it just comes down to being aware and I, when I think about a uh, high frequency, highly conscious individual versus low conscious, the first part is being able to detect and know how uncomfortable you are without reacting to it. So it's becoming an observer and realizing that your body is a tool to, it's like a dashboard yeah. of information. I use
0: exactly that image, by the okay. way. Oh, that's interesting. That's cool. I'm glad you're using that image. Okay. Your body is, a. That's, you, you know, it'll tell you when your oil pressure is low, when your water is running too high, when you're nearly out of fuel. And you'd be surprised at how many people overlook or override that information.
1: How interesting. So the, the distinction then is being able to see the thing you think is you, which is your body, which isn't you. It's the thing that's writing that's inside it. Yeah. Um, and being able to learn how to read all these gauges and d- create the distinctions for all the layers and levels, which are multidimensional and, in some cases, um, you know, analog. They're, they're not digital. In other words, there isn't oh. any left, right, on, off. They're variables, yeah. and they're interdependent. On top of that, so if we were going to, I just want to pursue this rabbit hole for a moment. Just imagine for a second um, being able to visualize the human dashboard Mm -hmm. and the relationships and connections and what's emotional, what's spiritual, what's energetic, what's time-based, what's egoic, what's relationship-based in your mind, just from a historical perspective, who do you think has created the best visual or diagram or description of these in a way that can be understood fastest? Because as I'm thinking about this, I've never thought about it through this lens before. I haven't thought of body as dashboard and I certainly don't remember seeing someone create a chart, kind of like a a chart of elements. Yeah. So what do you think of that, and does something like that exist?
0: They should go to the website of my uh, nonprofit foundation, the Foundation for Conscious Living, because we have a number of diagrams that will actually explain it like that. As a matter of fact, a funny thing happened to me just this past week. Probably every day or two, I get some wonderful message on Twitter or email or something from somebody whose life was changed by the big leap. And a fellow sent me the other day on Twitter a a private message with this diagram he had made of all the elements of the book that was just brilliant. And I had my assistant write back to him and say, hey, can we just go ahead and publish this out on Facebook and everything? And so the guy said, sure. And so we just put it out there and it's a marvelous little view of the human body. But um, so I'd say a good place to look would be in The Big Leap and also in our book uh, At the Speed of Life because that's the one that gets down into the actual technicalities of how it's all put together and everything like that. Let me just say using this dashboard image though, I'm loving this because I'm glad to think of you're a, a dashboard guy, but think of having some indicators on your dashboard, what would be the most important indicators for you to be able to see? What would be the equivalent of your gas gauge and your oil pressure and that kind of thing? Well, let me tell you, one would be, one gauge that says, do I want to be here? Do I want to be where I am right now? If that's off, you need to look at, hmm, where would I rather be than in the present? And, Why am I taking myself out of the present? What's here in the present that I haven't faced and dealt with? Okay, so do I want to be here? A second indicator on your dashboard would be your little emotions display Mm -hmm. where you really need to know basically fear, anger, and sadness, whether you're in the grip of one of those at the moment. They have a thing in AA that I like. They say H-A-L-T, halt. That means when you're hungry angry, lonely, or tired, be very wary because those are the times you're likely to reach for a drink instead of handling the direct Mm -hmm. need. So if you're hungry, a lot of people override that. A lot of people overlook when they're angry, don't realize that they're operating out of anger. A lot of people get to feeling lonely and make some dumb move. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people... um, When they're tired. When they're tired, Ah. they do something to override that rather than just Wow. Yeah.
1: Wow. I, I will tell you, so I like alcohol on a limited basis. First of all, I can't have much of it and it definitely like I can't have it multiple days in a row without severe consequences. So I've just never had what I'd consider to be a problem. But I it's my honestly, it's my drug of choice. But as I look through this, I've never ever reached for it with any of those in mind. It's purely um, because I wanted to have an extra sensory experience mm-hmm. um, of taste, of smell. Um, and it would be a, communi- uh, a form of communing with another person. So like the idea of drinking alone has never been anything I'm interested in um, or do. It's like, an enhancement, but not like, oh, we're going to have more fun. It, it just adds a different dimension. So that's fascinating that um, that doesn't register, and it wouldn't mm-hmm. be on my dashboard, not mm-hmm. like that anyway. It's um, big
0: on a lot of people's dashboards. Wow. So I'll tell you, that's the, um, if you've got addiction problems, that takes up a lot of space on your dashboard. Uh, <clears throat> another thing that needs to be on our dashboards too is um, our overall energy level. You see, I believe human beings are designed to function at a pretty high level of energy. Uh Uh, We're designed to function at high energy, then rest deeply, then come back out and function at high energy, Mm -hmm. rest deeply. I think what causes people to get depressed is keeping themselves from going fast or really resting. They kind of live in this middle zone there, and that so wears it's an people out. Un- like,
1: yeah, it's a, a, a form of modulation, an unhealthy modulation. Un- yes. It's unnatural modulation. Exactly. How interesting! Never thought about it through that lens either. That's that's a very powerful distinction. So um, this is so again mapping this out, and you said uh, the foundation for conscious living.
0: Yes, Foundation for Conscious Living, Uh, Katie and I started it in uh, 1989, and it's been thriving ever since. It gives, um, it does three things, actually. It gives scholarships to people who want to study interesting things. It supports research for people who are doing research into interesting things. And uh, three, it creates, um, it funds movies and documentaries and things like that for people who are in conversation about subjects like this.
1: Okay, Well, one thing that I definitely want to explore in greater detail is what's on your dashboard and what's on the universal dashboard. So just imagine having a uh, design-your-own dashboard. If Mm -hmm. there was a mechanism where you'd have a questionnaire, so it'd be like a combination of a personality profile and an assessment, and then it would build it. And what I loved about what you just did right now is um if you got to pick cuz this goes beyond emotions yes. it goes beyond energy but also it's what are healthy appropriate questions to ask yourself it's almost like a a rubric mm-hmm. i think that's what it's called um there's a a term for it i know i could discover it fairly quickly um but in the old days the 60s and 70s the russians were well known for creating paper computers they're logic diagrams. So they wouldn't have computers and spaceships. Mm-hmm. It would be this diagram. It was kind of like a flow chart.
0: Mm-hmm. If, this, but, then this. if yes. this, then this. If that, then this.
1: And if you imagine this dashboard we're talking about as being one that gets customized and built for you, but asks you these healthy questions to rubric your way out of any kind of a situation, like you just said, you know, do I want to be here and what haven't I faced? Mm-hmm. Because in uh, a space, of discomfort being able to access and start making these habitual um, requires some form of a visualization. And this almost lends itself into a healthy AI also, mm-hmm. you know, yes. it's a true uh, machine learning model that could be applied for humans too, but also really understanding and exploring this. And and maybe, you know, one of our listeners or viewers Knows of such a thing that exists where someone has done the decoding but um, this is a fascinating super fascinating and interesting conversation that I want to continue which is the um, the genius dashboard genius Uh, dashboard I love it yeah okay good good (laughs) all right so I'm just making it up on the fly here but I I I want to find some way of of um, taking this to a a deeper and uh, more powerful level so um as we you know kind of bring this this episode to a close are there any other thoughts or asks that we might have for our audience or any other big ideas that go along with um uh, activating your emotions decoding your e- emotions and being able to activate uh your genius as well
0: well one you just mentioned which is ask which is i think that we can ask our unconscious for exactly what we want. We can ask our our ego for what we want. In other words, you could ask that certain things be decreased and certain things be increased. Yeah. Like a while back, for example, um, when we moved to California, um, we came back out here in 1995, and so I left a whole... Friendship and Professional Network back in Colorado where I've been for 21 years. And when I came out here, I reassessed, what what do I really want to have in terms of relationships? And I came up with this wild idea that what I really wanted was for my core love relationships, besides my family, I wanted three to five people whose faces lit up when I walked in the room. Oh, yeah. I didn't want 50 of those. You know I can get that out on a stage where I get a nice big ovation. That's great. Mm -hmm. I can get Mm -hmm. 200, 300 people doing that. But what I want around me at all times are those three or four or five people that my face lights up when they walk in the room and their face lights up when I walk in the room. Those are the kind of people I want to spend
1: time with. I love that. Um, That reminds me of a a short story. I was talking to someone I I interviewed um, not long ago. And it's one of two people. So I'm not going to mention their name so I don't get it wrong. (laughs) But one of them either was one of the biggest record executives who's ever lived. um, Or uh, I could just say it's Joel Zadak who uh, manages comedians. And either one of them said something along the lines of, uh, as an executive working with celebrities, when... A, celebrity walks in the door and you can feel the energy get sucked towards them in a room the moment they walk in and before you see them. And it is a noticeable sensation. And um, and that, for one thing, i I'm absolutely fascinating, fascinated in what that is because it's something I've definitely detected and felt when you meet one of those charismatic, freaking, incredibly, uh, they're, they're like a solar system upon themselves and a sun. And what you're talking about is when you sort of represent that amplification and you find that right frequency resonant thing with another person, it's sort of like when you fall in love and you're activating each other and you feel that, that everything mm-hmm. happen and to be able to, um Experience that and find, like you say, the five people who light up when you walk in, but also the vice versa. And stimulating that. That to me would be in addition to um, the big leap experience and the conscious luck experience is, um, when we select the fifty or so that we put in the room, that would be one of my intentions mm-hmm. that I mm-hmm. want to create that uh, it's not just that the stars walk in and suck the energy out of the room. It's that we all together amplify the room mm-hmm. and um, and exploring, like, what does that look like? How does that occur? What does it happen along with this um, emotional genius dashboard experience too, and really uh, going deep on understanding how to read that? Because I think that's definitely we're on the right path to building Uh, um, a really high-frequency utopia.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. All right. Well, I had the experience back in the 90s. I was at a fundraiser, and it was not long after Titanic came out. And I was at a fundraiser down in Hollywood, and all of a sudden, there was that energy sucked out of the room experience, and I didn't know what it was, but I knew something was different, and I looked over And Leonardo DiCaprio had just walked in the room. And within about 20 feet, suddenly he had about 40 people around him. You know, it was like thwack, Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so how do we turn that on? Hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a good question.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those and those who are, um, those of us mere mortals. And I will tell you that um, over the past yeah. I'll say 20 years. I started working around and with celebrities about 30 years ago in some way, shape or form. And, and I also work with a lot of what I'll call ordinary folks who want to elevate themselves and build brands. And charisma isn't a teachable skill. It's sort of like you got the it, or you don't have the it, or you're willing to explore it and be courageous Mm -hmm. enough and raw and be naked and there is a a part of that that is authenticity. It's like when you see a vocalist who tears their heart open and is willing to do that performance where you're like, Holy mother of, you know, you have Mm that wow experience and like, where does the shining star come from that's so pure and real. And even though it's a repeated act, that star gets torn open Mm -hmm. and it's like, um, you're drawn to the nuke and uh, the one thing about nukes is if you get too close, you get fried a lot of the time. That's one one thing about, you know, if you spend a lot of time working with celebrities, oftentimes the ones who are closest to them mm-hmm. uh, get nuked. Yep. You know, you get burned. But I do want to spend some time in uh, genius wonderment of activating and exploring that too. So I'm going to put a bookmark in this notion of, activating your genius charisma and exploring that conversation with you. And let's, uh, let's, let's gestate that one for a little while. I think that's a very powerful um, form of alchemy we can do together here.
0: Definitely. And um, if we could uh, build a uh, charisma amplifier.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think who wouldn't want to plug into that device. So let's, um, Let's land this episode and know that again, we we started with how to pull out your inner genius. And we talked about techniques to activate um, that part of your body and your heart and also be able to read it. Um, and we went into all sorts of things, which I love the wonder question. and Mm. Mm. That's an activator. That's a very powerful magical activator.
0: And here's a secret about that too. The moment you hum physiologically, your right and left hemisphere are joined together. Oh. So, humming is a great way to get crosstalk across your corpus mm. callosum between your hemispheres.
1: Oh yeah. Mm.
0: It takes mm. both sides of your brain to
1: mm. Mm,
0: and wonder about something.
1: Wow. So there's a uh, interesting group uh, I, I can't remember who they are right now, but they're a pop group from Mongolia who do Tuvan singing oh, and they're yeah. a hard rock uh-huh. Tuvan singing group. <laughs> um, and I, one thing I practiced for quite some time in addition to playing the didgeridoo is Tuvan singing and courting my voice. I can't really do it right now. Cause it takes, you've got to really put a lot of time in it, but I think there's a very powerful activator there as well. So Let's again, let this gestate. I'd like to do a little research and return to the charisma activator. And what was the, what did you call it? I don't remember. All <laughs> right. Well, you know what? That's the good thing about doing a little bit of voice recognition and then uh, we'll do transcripts here, but it had to do with uh, uh, a charisma amplifier. Oh, that's charisma what it amplifier. was. That's All right. Good, happened. good. All right. Well, uh, I think this is a great place to break this and as usual, ask you the audience or our viewer to um definitely post your reactions and your responses to this episode rate review and share this with one or two people you know who can be elevated and can also be uh, maybe one of the five people you want to invite into your life in your room who light you up or you light them up when you walk in yeah oh yeah. yeah all right well another great episode well done my friend
0: your face lights up when I walk in the room, and my face lights up when you walk
1: in the I room. know. We found each other. <laughs> Two fellow aliens. We found each other. Thank God for that. <laughs> All Thanks right. Thanks a lot, everybody. Yeah.